Hey y'all, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm your host, Ainsley B, and I can't wait to share with you some amazing guests on this season of the podcast. Our goal here is to help one another find, keep, and share our wild confidence in Christ. I'm so thankful you're joining us, and if you love the episode today, I'd be so grateful if you left a review or shared it with a friend. All right, all right, let's hop in. I can't wait to meet our guest today. Pam Ayala is on Wild Confidence today, and I cannot wait for you to hear his testimony, his story from being on The Bachelorette on Hannah Brown season all the way to having his leg amputated because of a condition that he was born with called lymphedema. You do not want to miss this episode, his testimony, and everything that he has to share with us today. It's so inspirational, and you are just, I'm blown away. So I know you will be too. Let's welcome Cam to Wild Confidence. Cam, welcome to Wild Confidence. How are you? I am doing so lovely. So happy to be here and to finally chat with you. I know. We've literally already had an awesome conversation. And there was like three different times where I'm like, I'm really disappointed that we have not pressed record. So we had to press record so we can actually just get back right into our really good conversation. (laughs) But before we do that, let's start off where with you telling us where we might have seen you before, where we might have heard your name before, because your name and your face look familiar. Where would we have, where do we know you? Yeah, let's just get this out of the way first and foremost. (laughs) Um, Yes. So addressing the elephant in the room, I suppose. So I was on uh, The Bachelorette with Miss Hannah Brown. She was my bachelorette. And a couple months after, I thought it would be a brilliant idea to go on Bachelor in Paradise. So that's where I, I got my. That. Yeah, I, I did too. But thank you for the reminder. <laughs> no, you were reminded. Okay, wait, keep going, keep going. Wait, yeah, so that then? was um, basically the same stuff that happened on The Bachelorette was not great. Um, so, and, and and we may go into some of the specific details as to why it wasn't great for me, but um, that was my first time ever on television or reality TV. And prior to that, I think like the last time I was in any type of uh, quote unquote performance or like in front of a camera was in like high school theater. I was, I was a thespian, but I was oh, also nice. the captain of the basketball team. So I would joke and say that high school musical was basically my life story funny (laughs) (laughs) that is so funny oh my gosh that's so true oh I forgot about bachelor in paradise I I remember now okay I'll tell you this I'm not a an addict I'm not like a I've watched a few seasons here and there, but every addict says (laughs) yeah that's true I can't say that I'm a part of bachelor nation like I couldn't tell you the the people in order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like some right, people are yeah. like this and this and this person and this person, this person. I'm like, I have no idea. But I have watched a few seasons and I did watch Hannah's season. So mm. I do remember you being on that, but I forgot about Bachelor in Paradise. Okay, wait. There was something that I wanted to ask you, and then I it just went right out of my head. Okay, this is what I was gonna ask you. So I had a friend who was filming a pilot for a reality show for her once upon a time. And basically what they did, so I was cast, quote unquote, as her friend, which is true. I'm going to be in her wedding in February. So it wasn't false. But what they would do is be like, here's the scene. This is where you are. And this is the goal of where you want to go. And then Mm -hmm. 
and record. Was and that life. How, Go. <laughs> yeah, and 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 get there on your own and improv pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Was that similar to your experience on either one of those, or do you feel like it was a little bit different? No, um, and that's probably one of the most common questions I've I've gotten just over the past uh, couple years since I've been off the show and when I'm having the conversation like this, like, oh, is it scripted? And short answer, it's definitely not scripted, right? Now, right. obviously, whenever we're out there, we don't have our cell phones. We don't have right. any access to our friends or family. We can't even watch TV or listen to music. So you're really, uh, especially the early part of the journey, like on the bachelorette, when we're there in the bachelor mansion, um, you know, night one's always awkward because you have their limo entrances and this and that. And like, you don't want to be sent home night one. And there's that kind of pressure for most people. Uh, not me, because I had a rose going into night one. <laughs> a little <laughs> nice. fun fact. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, Whenever people say like to me, like, oh, if I was there, I would have done this. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just don't believe you because do you, you know? don't know how you would act or how you would respond unless you're out there doing it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and you you kind of feel like you're on this big movie set because there's these huge cranes and lights and the cameras, obviously, you're mic'd up. And, you know, nobody who's gone on the show hasn't at least watched one episode or one season you know totally. they're they're very rarely just completely blind to it you know I wasn't a fan of the show either before going on it nor am I one now but yeah. I mean I, I kind of knew you know the the general structure to it you know you have yeah, a it's been around forever, or you, what feels yeah, like yeah yeah you, you have a one-on-one date if you're chosen or you have a group date so um there's not really a whole lot of producers saying do this do that because you're really there at free will you know mm-hmm. you don't have to do or say anything that you don't want to but what happens is, is when you're out there and you don't have your friends and family to confide to, um, you can either act out of character or what happened to me, quite frankly, is, you know, when you're recorded basically 24-7, it's very easy to get a sound clip or sound bite of one conversation that I had with one guy. And they can take that and then juxtapose it in a completely different conversation I had, you know, a day or several hours later to basically perpetuate or create these personas. And unfortunately for me, unlike one of your previous guests, Mr. Ben Higgins, I was basically typecasted as a villain, which I didn't really understand that at the time when I was there in the experience. Um, It was really after I was basically persuaded to crash a group date that I wasn't invited to, that things went very downhill for me pretty quickly in the journey and um you know persuaded by a a producer or by right yeah um really kind of a producer because you know they would say things like hey cam you know you haven't been on a one-on-one date or group date in a while and though you got the first rose that momentum has died out and hannah was here last night and she said she's looking for a bold man you know how bold are you willing to be you know we have a car waiting for you right now would you like to go bring her some flowers and I'm like, yeah, that's great. Sounds like a, a wonderful idea. Of and course. I don't want to like be a jerk and like interrupt guys in the middle of their conversation. But you don't know how long one of the guys has been talking to her. You don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to be quick and easy. Like, hey, Hannah, I'm thinking about you. Brought you some flowers. Just wanted to have a romantic gesture and be on my way. But when yeah. I tried to leave that situation, I couldn't leave. I didn't have a car. 
so that kind of perpetuated this drama and the guys felt disrespected and it just kind of all unraveled from there where it just was not a pleasant experience for me going on after that. Um, and then the whole part about me talking about a disease I was born with and not wanting to ever share that publicly, but going from not telling anybody to 8 million people and then having it edited and the narrative twisted against me, that was probably the hardest part about life after the reality TV show, you know, immediately after Bachelorette that I had to deal with. Yeah, that's actually the main thing that I am so curious about because I remember that scene and I remember it being pretty like brushed aside, neglected, overshadowed by this other drama. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that seems like that would be extremely traumatic to like say this very vulnerable and raw thing and something that you are on your way to experience as far as the amputation goes, like this thing is in your future that you, that it's going to happen and all the questions that might come with that just in general. And then on top of that, you have this like entire bachelor nation of criticism falling on you. So I'm, that is actually the first thing that I wanted to hear is like, how, how did that feel? And what was that like to have to process that? Yes. So, you know, as I was just saying a minute ago, Right. So to give, I guess, to listeners, just some high level context, because it's like hashtag very complicated. (laughs) Um, But um, I was I was born with a disease called lymphedema, which basically um, just high level is when you have uh, an impaired lymphatic system, which we all have a lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, um, the most common representation of lymphedema is in a patient that had breast cancer. So if they get a mastectomy, or they remove lymph nodes, uh, over 40% of breast cancer survivors will get lymphedema in their arm, which means it's chronic swelling. It can be very painful. Um, it's susceptible to infection. And unfortunately with lymphedema, whether you're born with it or whether you acquire it secondarily to cancer or any other kind of uh, physical trauma, there's no cure for it. So you have to manage it. And yeah. I've been managing it, uh, symptomatically since I was 11 years old. And, um, that what? came with, uh, over dozens of surgeries. And for me, like I, I honestly, as I've gone to therapy and I've, I've prayed about it and, uh, just kind of have processed it as I've gotten older, like having that disease really forced me to grow up at a much faster rate than my peers, because I just wanted mm-hmm. to be normal, right? Like I wanted to play baseball, basketball, and football, like all of my other buddies, but it took me twice as much energy and effort to, uh, self-care and manage the symptoms of this disease so I could just play without people noticing, oh, what's wrong with him? Why is he limping? Why is his leg swollen? Why is he wearing that compression garment? You know, before Lululemon wow. and Nike made compression garments cool, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that was a lot of trauma that I held inside because yeah. I felt that our society tells us that masculinity looks like, um, you know, chin up, you know, keep your composure and, you know, be a provider and a protector. And Mm -hmm. I was so naive going into this bachelorette journey that especially early on when I got the first rose, it like dawned on me, like I could win this thing, but like, what is winning? Winning means that you end up engaged to this individual. And if it's in God's divine plan, this becomes your wife. 
So the part of the conversation that I had with Hannah that didn't air was I was explaining to her, you know, what my medical history was. And I was basically saying like, look, I know there's a lot of like other guys out here who are younger and have the chiseled CrossFit bodies and, and have this maybe outward physical strength, but my strength is very different because of what I've persevered and what I've been through at a very young age. And I really believe in the sanctity of wedding vows. And part of the wedding vows we say is in sickness and in health. And as someone with a chronic disease, like, I don't know if I'm going to have another infection a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And and at that time, I'd given a prognosis that if these infections continue, you're going to have to lose your leg. So that was the part of me telling her that story that got completely edited out of proportion. And the audience didn't even get to hear the word lymphedema, which is the name of the disease that I had. So people could have Mm -hmm. fact checked that and and maybe had a little bit more uh, empathy or sympathy for it. but. It was early on in the journey. They had to villainize somebody. And because I was willing to be bold and to have vulnerable, real conversations with Hannah early on, uh, it was unfortunately used against me. And, um, you know, in that part of the journey, she basically believed one of the other guys in the mansion who told her I was making up this medical sob story so I could get a pity rose. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is that individual has now been lifted up in the public spotlight. He has a successful podcast. He's written books. And, you know, America, for the most part, loves this guy. But they don't know that he threw me under the bus big time for a medical disease that was something I wasn't looking for pity. I just had to be real with her because I said, look, there's going to come a time, Hannah, when these cameras aren't following us. And life and marriage is going to get real. So I just need to know that's something that you can handle because what I got accused of was being calculated and manipulative of my disease, which like to me in that experience and in that time, like if I would have waited further on down the journey and in, in there where I was like maybe on a one-on-one date or group date where we're like climbing a mountain or playing rugby or some other intense physical activity, I would have had to sit that out anyway. And she would have had to been like, Hey Cam, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. So I wanted to, again, address that elephant in the room which I didn't, I, you know, it was something that was very nerve wracking. I, the night before I had a lot of anxiety about it because, you know, again, you go from not really telling anybody about it because you're kind of ashamed or embarrassed about it to then basically opening the door to expose all the skeletons in your closet for 8 million people to uh, judge and to um, try to discern, is this a good guy or a bad guy? But at that time I was so wrapped up and trying to appease so many other people I didn't realize the importance that I do now as a you know more mature man of God that we need to be serving an audience of one. That's mm-hmm. the approval we need to be seeking, not our followers on Instagram, not even our best friends and not even our, our, our parents. I know that may be kind of controversial. I mean, we, we should, if we're honoring God and we're serving him, you know, the people in our circle should appreciate that. And you're going to do the right thing most times. Yeah, absolutely. Quick question for you. Have you ever dated a boo-boo dude? (laughs) If you don't know what that is, don't worry. A boo-boo dude is someone who leaves you on red, leaves you on the back burner, or leaves you wondering where you stand with them as a manipulation tactic. These kind of relationships can be you know, anything from just unhealthy all the way to straight up abusive and you need to get out. So how do you identify this? What does that look like? 
all of this information and more, especially including how to help a friend who might be in one of these relationships is in the book that I put out recently called Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude. It is found anywhere books are sold, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, you know, all the places, all the things. I would love if you picked up the copy today and send me a message. Tell me what you think about it. And remember, don't date a boo-boo dude. So what did that journey look like for you to shift feeling like you had to please this giant audience to the audience of one? Because that really is a big deal and a big shift, especially in such a public villainization so how was that transformation for you it was not overnight i'll tell you that much so that <laughs> yeah. was um like mid 2019 is, is when i was on uh, bachelorette and bachelor in paradise and then i moved from austin uh back to houston to to start working um in, in the medical field for specifically for people with lymphedema so i kind of like wow. that's when i started to kind of re um, open up the idea of having a relationship with, with God. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would definitely say at that point, I would identify like a lot of people do in our generation or in, in, in the younger groups of saying I was spiritual, but not Christian. Mm -hmm. And like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right? Like <laughs> yeah. if you were to ask me, what does that mean? I think it just sounds good. And um, it's basically like, you want to say you're a virtuous, good person, and you feel something inside of you, but you're not naming it what it is, which is the Holy Spirit in you. Yeah, I didn't have that intimacy with with my relationship with Christ, with God, and with the Holy Spirit. So mm. I was I was seeking affirmation from other people, and I wasn't looking within. And in the process, actually, of of trying to woo this one girl that I was interested in dating. She's actually the one who introduced me to the pastor and now the church that I go to. And, you know, admittedly, uh, I guess I would, would say I'm an ex boo dude, <laughs> but, but, but not in like the sense of like, I know there's a lot of layers to, to the boo-boo dude as yeah, I'm sure a lot yeah. of your listeners and, and you know, um, I was never emotionally or physically abusive. Sure. I've never once cheated on a girlfriend. Um, I think it was just more of like the casual dating, not being willing to commit or not showing yeah. that same, yeah, that same level of, um, of commitment that maybe there was an expectation from, from the, from the other. Mm -hmm. And, um, now that I found this girl at the time, I was like, well, she's looking for a man of God. I can play that part. So yeah. I'll start going to church. I'll meet with the pastor and it's so funny how how God works because it took me pursuing this girl that actually it was God's way of reeling me back in and saying, look, I need to break you down to the foundational level and I need to humble you. And the most humbling sermon I ever heard, and it was actually coincidentally about Christian dating, just the title of it alone shook me to my core. It was, are you your dream date's dream date? Oh, Because yes. I feel like maybe boo-boo dudes or maybe guys or, or girls too. It doesn't really uh, lend itself to any specific gender, but like we can have these maybe unrealistic expectation in our dream person. And if you like even put pen to paper, I want him to be this tall or her to be this body type or him to love God or him to, or her to love sports. Like we, we, we kind of fabricate this perfect prototypical person that maybe we see in a rom-com or a Nicholas Sparks novel. Yeah. And then when we like, 
pull out the old mirror and it's like, wow, am I that person's dream person? Am I yeah. living a life that is honorable to what my expectations are? And I was not at all. I mean, and they they say too, this is one of my other favorite quotes, is that the Bible is one of the few books that when you read it, it actually reads you. And mm-hmm. so that was really the Holy Spirit's way of saying, Cam, it's not about that one girl. If you're going to build intimacy with anybody, it needs to be with Jesus. Yeah. And I've given you this platform and you can use it one of two ways. You can sell FabFitFun boxes and use promo code CAM, <laughs> or <laughs> you can use this testimony of, of redemption of a man who went from being convicted to now a man of conviction and who can speak to the youth, to speak to people who have lymphedema. And now people in the limb loss or amputation community that I'm now a part of. Um, so that was kind of how the journey went from mm-hmm. reality TV to life after reality TV to now me living my life for Christ. It's incredible. It's incredible to see this person, right? That that the person that you are now, the advocacy that you are doing now, and then the person that you were portrayed as previously, the two people are very apparent different apparently different you know it's it's really cool because i have seen your socials i've seen um just you featured on podcasts or videos or something like that and i'm like man those people who villainized you even producers and cast members they are not like to this day i would put money that they are not as fulfilled as you are now and that you are walking with such an anointing walking um being i'm still walking <laughs> i know you're walking but <laughs> just <laughs> walking differently which it actually reminds me of like you're walking with a limp right with it wrestling like jacob and you get this anointing that he got where his hip was um i don't know injured i guess Um, And from Mm -hmm. that moment on, he was walking with a limp, but his life was forever changed. And that kind of reminds me of your story. And it's funny how God uses relationships to humble us because he did the same thing for me, where it was like, okay, you went through this relationship. You put so much of your identity in this person that I had to strip it back and we had to start from scratch and we had to rebuild. But God is such a relational God that it's just that much sweeter to be like, okay, now we have seen like how relationships, how they're not fulfilling. And like, he is the absolute only one that can fulfill. Um, So I just love hearing your testimony and hearing your story. Even if the bachelor wasn't a part of your story, I think that like your testimony is just so incredibly powerful and reaches um, people who, are underrepresented in my opinion, um, in every industry that I can possibly think of. The most common dating question I get is what do you think about apps? And I want to tell you about my favorite dating app to refer people to it's called salt. So it's free to use. And unlike other Christian dating apps, it's made by Christians for Christians. So you can go in knowing that you already have the most important thing in common your faith and values. Y'all, I personally have not only met the team, but I have two close friends who can really speak to the validity of this app. And they say it takes some of the cringe out of those conversations. Can I get an amen? (laughs) 
and you can download Salt from App or Play Store. And after creating your profile, use code WILD for six weeks free premium. This is for US and Canada only. And please DM me to let me know how you like it because admittedly, I'm over-invested in your dating lives. <laughs> and I, I really do believe that this is a step forward in getting back to healthy dating. So y'all check Salt out and don't forget to use code WILD. I just love seeing the advocacy from you and I love what you're doing. And I'm just curious, like what you're most excited about right now that you're working on or that you're a part of. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, first off, thank you so much for the encouragement. I think um, as believers, um, you know, we, we pray for people when they're going through tough times, but like at the same time, like when we see our brothers and sisters, like thriving, like that's a blessing from God. And I Mm -hmm. think we sometimes fall into the trap of comparison and we even like subconsciously say like, Lord, bless my friends, but not as much as me, right? <laughs> like totally. there's, there's still like that totally. kind of layer to it. And I'm, I'm constantly finding myself um, asking God to soften my heart and, and to humble me. And, you know, because at any point in time, like the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And that could 100%. be your leg. That can be. Uh, a family member that could be your job it could be anything so um walking in gratitude or in my case limping in gratitude it's (laughs) it's something that has really gotten me through some of the tougher seasons of my life um but what i'm most excited about right now um i'm actually in the process of training for this big mountain climb in in ecuador at the uh, end of september uh me and several other uh individuals who have uh, limb loss or amputees are hiking this 19,000 foot uh, <gasps> mountain in Ecuador. And everything oh that we do is to bring awareness to basically the underserved community in South America who don't have access to quality prosthetic care. So, um, you know, the whole, the whole thing there for that nonprofit is, you know, what's your mountain, right? We all have our mountains, right? The proverbial mountain of Maybe it's addiction, maybe it's, you know, a toxic relationship, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's, you know, uh, struggles in your faith, right? Like we're all Mm -hmm. climbing these mountains and the fact that we're climbing a literal mountain and for me, um, doing it to raise money and to raise funds for people who don't have access to prosthetic care, like we do here in the United States, like as soon as I found out about it, I'm like, look, I've never climbed a mountain, even when I was, you know, a fully, you know, quote unquote, healthy, able-bodied, four-limbed individual. But one thing that I've learned from my amputation, which it will be one year uh, on the 22nd of this month, it's that I firmly believe that God is going to take me farther on one leg than he ever could have when I had two. And that's not easy for people to process because like oftentimes people will come up to me uh, like in the grocery store, for example, and first thing they do, um, mainly when I have my beard, they're like, thank you so much for your service. <laughs> they just assume I'm a military veteran. <laughs> oh my God. Or, or little kids will like kind of point and stare, but I know it's like out of curiosity. So, you know, if I have a little bit of time and, and the parents or guardians are okay with it, you know, I'll do my little leg tricks and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just kind of, you know, educate them on, um, you know, not necessarily what happened to me, but like, Hey, look, like I can still run. I can still, uh, do pretty much everything you can. And, and disability is not a bad word. Uh, I'm not just an athlete now I'm an adaptive athlete and really Mm -hmm. all of us have to adapt in life, um, with whatever 
twists and turns that happen, whether it's in our faith or relationships, you know, careers and all that. And for me, uh, this amputation was really God's way of just slowing me down Mm -hmm. um, spiritually and literally in the sense, because when I was laying in bed um, the night before my amputation, because I had basically two months to prepare. It wasn't like, you know, I was in an automobile accident. You wake up and your limbs gone. I had two months to prepare for the surgery. I had such a peace the night before my amputation, which most people would be tossing and turning and this and that. But like, I feel that I had such a strong faith that God was going to do amazing things through my testimony that I just knew that obedience was going to be my new mantra. Like, and, and my favorite, my favorite, uh, I guess, tagline, if you will, is, is faith over fear Mm -hmm. to the point where, um, it was three months after my amputation. I got a call from one of my other friends who's a, who's an amputee as well. And she said, Hey, um, there's a group that's going to Ukraine to deliver prosthetic supplies. And I said, I'm in like without hesitation. And had I not lost my leg, I would have never signed up to go do a humanitarian trip to Ukraine in the middle of a war. Right. So God has put that on my heart to, serve other people and don't be afraid of the persecution because I mean, the apostle Paul tells us like being a Christian is not sunshine and rainbows. You will be persecuted, especially if you're steadfast and bold with your faith. And I think one thing I want to share with, you know, young Christians or really anybody who's going through their faith walk, who has some platform, God's never going to cancel you. Right. So Mm -hmm. we were made clean by the blood of Christ. So you shouldn't walk in fear and walk on eggshells. Oh, am I going to def- offend this group? Or what are these people going to think? Because again, it all ties back to that audience of one. And totally. God will use you and put people in your lives in the most unexpected ways that you just have to be obedient to the spirit and um, and not have that fear. Because when you have a surplus of faith, you have a deficit of fear. But then the mm. inverse is true too. When your fear is skyrocketing, like that's what that's what Jesus said when when the apostles were in the in the boat and they're freaking out. He's like, yeah, you guys have little faith. Like I'm out here napping in the middle of this like tsunami, <laughs> yeah. in this tiny little boat. So <laughs> that's kind of what uh, part of my journey has taught me so far. Not only through the amputation, but um, reigniting my my relationship with Christ and and using a platform to bring Him glory, not not me. Which is huge. Like that realization, some people never get. You know, some people live their whole life without that realization, which leads to that peace that you're talking about, that peace that passes all understanding. So I'm I'm so encouraged by your story and in that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what what do I need to go do? Like I'm like, I need to go do something. The best you can. The best you can every day, right? (laughs) I need to make obedience my mantra. Like that that statement that you said, I was like, oh man like having that be the mantra, just obedience is like, man, that is some of the hardest things to do. I think in faith is that obedient piece. But every time I've stepped out in obedience, God has been like, watch this miracle. And I'm like, okay, that's insane. Like, how did you do that? Um, because and and I know you universe. have a little, a little one, right? So what, mm-hmm. what, when your little one is obedient, guess what? You reward them. Hey, darling, you did this. Good job. You followed the rules. Good things will happen to you. But when you step out of line, you get that pop or you get that wake up (laughs) call, 
Yeah, right? for sure. It, it is when I actually was telling Goldie tonight, whenever I was putting her to sleep, I was like, you know, we said our prayers and then I was like, the Lord loves you more than I ever could. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's so much. Like that is so much. And I never, like, I can't grasp it. And it's so unbelievable because not only does he think that about Goldie, who it's very easy for me to believe because I think she's perfect and wonderful, but he believes that about me too. And I'm just like, how? Like it, it just blows my mind. And it makes me race towards that intimacy and race towards that obedience and race towards that relationship. So I just, I love that so much. And I want to know how we can support you in this. Like everybody listening, how can, what can we do as you go literally climb the mountain um, with a bunch of people who are experiencing amputation or limb loss? Like how can we support y'all? Or just in regular yeah, life too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, obviously prayer because the training has not been easy. You know, we were talking earlier, you, you've lived in Houston too. It is <laughs> super hot and humid right now. And yeah. I don't get to do elevation and altitude training right now. Yeah. So I'm just walking around the trails here and doing the best that I can. And it's, I'm going to be the youngest amputee on the team by far. And I don't wow. mean my youngest by age, but like youngest by like experience with, with limb loss. Cause it literally, uh, just about a year ago. So right. there's a lot of changes that are still going on with my body. So just prayers that, um, I can push through the pain, but in a safe way, right. Yeah. Because I think yeah. sometimes when we're really going through something, um, they say that no pain, no gain. It's like, well, yes, to a certain extent, but then you also <laughs> sure. have to be safe so you can finish the, finish the climb. But, um, I'm also just praying for discernment too, of, um, different, uh, you know, brands and companies to partner with, uh, mm-hmm. so we can make it, uh, our, you know, our financial goals. Cause really the money that we raise, none of it goes towards me and my travel. I'm all self-funded. This goes directly towards patient care, like getting these individuals, often children in South America who've never walked before because they don't wow. have prosthetic equipment available in their villages like we do yeah. here in the United States. So um, if anyone has any questions, you know, they can send me a DM. I'm happy to share any additional information with them. Uh, but just, you know, safety first and foremost in that okay. um, when people see this journey, they know that this isn't about cam climbing a mountain. It's it's God allowing me to climb this mountain. I don't have to, I get to do it. And that is such a blessing. And I would have never been in this opportunity had I not gone through the amputation and God not delivered me from my old ways. Yeah. Are y'all having a, uh, like a film crew with you? Like, are people going to be filming? We are. <gasps> we are. Yes. <laughs> Because yes. I'm like, I want everyone to see this. I want to see this, but I want like everyone to see this. Yet we're definitely documenting the journey. And um, and one other side caveat, I uh, actually have my documentary coming out here um, at the yes. end of June, uh, which my uh, church, um, Eric Kaufman and the Maybe God podcast put together. They basically Amazing. filmed me two months prior to my amputation, the day of the amputation, day after and the recovery afterwards. So again, wow. like, it's not about me, though, it kind of tells part of my story. But what I want people to sure. get from that documentary is that 
price can transform you at any time. And though he may take things away from you, whether it's a limb or people or things of this world, you gain so much more in his kingdom when, again, you're just obedient to him and you allow his spirit to give you healing um, in all facets of your life. And that's where this whole journey has just been so incredible is, is just the peace that I've gotten from, from knowing Jesus uh, more mm-hmm. intimately than I ever had in my entire life. It's amazing. I cannot wait to watch your documentary. Where are we going to be able to watch it? So right now um, it's in the final editing phase. So all the content is shot. And right now we're kind of discerning of how we want to distribute that. You know, we could put it straight up to YouTube um, or if we decide to go like the film festival route, yeah. uh, that takes a little bit of time. And yeah. oftentimes people will do that film festival route. So then you can get some accolades or whatever, and then you can then pitch it to like the Amazons and the Netflix and the Hulu platforms. But I just, I just want as many people to see it as possible so they can understand what Christ can do in their lives, regardless totally. if they're an amputee or they're battling cancer or they're battling depression or whatever their mountain is that they're climbing in their, in their life and in their faith walk. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Okay. So we'll be on the lookout for that. And where can we keep up with you online in the meantime and stay up to date with all of this? Um, you can send me an AOL instant messenger or on MySpace. Um, <laughs> Tell me you're a millennial without telling me you're a millennial. <laughs> right, right. You've got mail. Uh, no, you can you can uh, reach out to me on Instagram. I'm most active on that. I have not gotten a TikTok yet. I've been avoiding that like the plague, but it's I don't so know. Funny. I just may have to do that. We'll We'll see. Maybe if we have a follow-up conversation, I'll be a TikTok influencer, but no, I'm kidding. But Instagram no, is, so is the fun. best way to, to reach out to me. Yes, ma'am. And it's it's Cameron Ayala on Instagram. But it's right. C-A- and, well, so it's actually Cam, yeah, Cameron Ayala because Cam Ayala okay. was taken and Cameron Ayala was taken. So Cameron oh, Ayala. Gmail. Cameron, yes. Gmail, Instagram, <laughs> Gmail. you know what I mean. That is yes. my email address. <laughs> what you mean. Yeah. Too much technology. Uh, why can't we just write letters and see people in person? But this is no. cool too. I've enjoyed this conversation for sure. I know. It's like technology is so annoying, but also so beneficial at the same time. So it's a totally. love-hate relationship. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time sharing about lymphedema and all of your adventures, whether it's from being on the bachelor, I'm sorry, bachelorette to the literal mountain that you're going to climb. I'm so excited for everything that you're doing and for the testimony and gosh, just image of God that you're sharing with other people. I'm so inspired and I just know other people will be too. So thank you so much for hanging out. Cheers. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and hanging out here on Wild Confidence. I hope that you feel encouraged and ready to tackle the day, feeling even more confident than you did before you started listening. I'd be so thankful if you left a review or shared this episode with a friend and I'll see you soon. Oh, don't forget, let's connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Ainsley B and I hope to meet you there.